portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. I just watched that. I'm, I'm not saying that to move the, uh, the interview along either. I just watched that. I thought it was a brilliant <laughs> film. Fun. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show. My name is Joe Burns, and I'm all by myself today because I'm doing an interview. This is a Rock School Radio Show. I'll make you a bet you've never heard before on this show because it's a, an interview with somebody who isn't a rock star, who doesn't compose rock music. I'm going to be talking with William Ryan Fritch for the whole hour today, and he is a composer. And again, you'd think it would be rock music, but it's not. William Ryan Fritch is the composer of music for movies, television, and documentaries. You know, when you sit in a movie theater and the two lovers start to kiss and the music swells in the background? Well, that's what William Ryan Fritch writes. You're watching a, I don't know, a movie and the bad guy's coming around the corner and everything gets dark and menacing? That's what he does. He lives outside of San Francisco, California, plays over 60 instruments, has his own studio in an abandoned chicken farm building, and he's turned it into a studio. It's absolutely beautiful. You can see it online, and we'll talk about it in the interview. But he makes a living doing this, and I've wondered, how do you do it? How do you get your music out there? How Can you make a living at it? And what I've done is I've gotten an interview with him, and I'm going to share it with you. All of the music that you'll hear during the show today is music that was composed and played completely by William Ryan Fritch. He does not hire session musicians. Every instrument is played by him. So, without me talking any further, this is an interview with William Ryan Fritch, composer of music for movies, television, and documentaries. On the phone, I have William Ryan Fritch. Now, on the Rock School Show, what we've done is talk to a lot of people who perform rock music and people who are uh, instrumentalists for rock music and some jazz musicians as well. But, William, I'm addressing you straight away right now. By the way, do I call you William or do you go by Bill? What do you go by? Uh, you know, actually, either just Will or Ryan. Okay. <laughs> middle name, so. let's, let's go with Will. Will, you're a different kind of musician that we've ever had on the show. You score music for movies, documentary, uh, news channels, television shows. I mean, all of that additional music that's in the background, somebody has to write it, and that's you. You're the guy that does all of that. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is kind of amazing when, uh, I mean, when I first got into uh, doing music, uh, I really didn't quite understand uh, the breadth of um, opportunities if you love writing songs or love composing. I mean, uh, the initial thought I had was, oh, well, you either <laughs> have to be a rock star and tour, and <laughs> that's the only way you can make a living, or writing songs for um, other people, but uh, really the whole uh, medium of doing music for um, multimedia uh, for both 
television, movies, dance, theater. Um, it's it's proven to be a really rewarding, um, re- really rewarding career thus far, and uh, it's just every every day is different musical problems that are fun to solve. Let's uh, let's talk uh, directly about some of your things. I want to talk about your studio. I mean, if people go to see your website, which is William Ryan Fritch, F R I T, 
www.kcbsc.com. They can see a couple pictures of your studio, which is, is terribly impressive. But it says here you've been featured. I'm going to stay with television because immediately people will know that you've done music for CBS miniseries, IFC, Showtime, Discovery, AMC, Al Jazeera. That's, that's an interesting one. And PBS. So let's let's just simply talk about, uh, say, you know, CBS contacts you and says we need music for this miniseries, which which has to star Valerie Bertinelli. I think they all do. What <laughs> what do you do? How does it how does the process uh, work? Well, yeah, any program um, they will have one or multiple music supervisors. Um, that are charged with uh, curating the music for the respective programs. So um, I'm <laughs> I'm really never contacted by this uh, uh, one of these larger entities. It it is generally a music supervisor who um, is working hand in hand with the producer, the director, and any number of editors um, that work for the shows. And they will be looking for music of a particular genre, feel, um, uh, a style uh, of music that really fulfills their needs for this program. And since I, uh, you know, from doing all the documentary films and uh, narrative films I've done over the last uh, eight years, I have a pretty large library um, to draw music from. So a lot of this is either just licensing music, or if there is a uh, enough of a turnaround period, it's creating something something custom for this scene that they're needing music for. Um, and I, I find that's increasingly common that rather than having a composer for the entirety of a show, they fill out fill these various spaces um, with licensed music or with uh, music that's kind of custom retrofitted okay so you don't they don't say to you we need 30 seconds of dark music here they simply buy some of your pieces and take from it what they need that that is one solution but it, it certainly uh can be the the um, if there is enough <laughs> turnaround time where I, I and i've done that pretty commonly where it, there is a musical need and it's like okay i know that you uh you work fast. Can you <laughs> can you do something for this one minute scene? Uh, and that will happen uh, pretty often, but most of the time it's uh, it's the hurry up and wait uh, phenomenon. So they want something that is done <laughs> and ready, and uh, that as soon as they email you a couple hours later, you have something for them.
I have to believe this business is built on reputation a great deal. They know that they can contact you and there will either be music waiting for them or your turnaround time is quick because if if you didn't have the music or you didn't have the turnaround talent, they'd stop using you. I have to believe you're the guy they go to because you can fulfill what's required. Oh, I, I think that's um, of the, the necessary, uh, the re- requisite skills to do this. I mean, uh, it's so much <laughs> less about um, the music than I, I, I had really thought initially. So much of it is about um, the interaction that you have with uh, these other um creative uh people in the field like working well with editors and being able to yeah just turn things in on time uh it's huge um and if uh i don't know it's it's uh, yeah more than you would imagine it's about being punctual and about being easy to work with oh i'll bet Uh, i don't work in the television industry i work in radio and uh, punctuality and deadlines are everything. Just for my own interest, I'm going to talk about uh, money here in a minute, but just for my own interest, what did you do for Al Jazeera? That seems a, an interesting departure from anything else you've done. Oh, well, I do a lot of news. Uh, um, I've done three or four frontline um, PBS news series, and from there, a lot of really talented documentary filmmakers in the States um, are having opportunities to work with Al Jazeera and produce um, what would be like the equivalent of short documentaries. Um, you know, Al Jazeera, it, it really has turned into, uh, well, <laughs> frankly, it's because they have money and um, they're able to hire really high quality journalists to produce these short films. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with the content that they've uh, been able to uh produce over the last couple of years so actually some of my my favorite projects are are getting these six to 18 minute short films um that are able to provide a, a bit more depth um in in these stories than you would for a standard news piece so it, yeah it, it's it's been a really nice relationship so far getting to work with him and uh anytime i have one of these pieces it's it's great to get me out of my insular little just making music bubble and learn more about a particular news event or uh, story.
We'll be back in a minute, but we need to take a break on the Rock School Radio Show. Now, these, these questions are crass, and they are, and they're invasive, but they're things that the audience wants to know. <laughs> what do you get paid to do this? I mean, I again, if, if people go and look at your website, they'll see a picture of your home studio. It's not set up in a, you know, a carpeted one-room walk-up bedroom. <laughs> you seem to be doing well, young man. What do you get paid to do this? Oh, man. Well, it is absolutely a, a sliding scale. And just being freelance in general, uh, it's, um, I mean, it, it, it changed. It's, it's a demand and, and uh, supply uh, um, model, just like anything. But uh, really, really, I have kind of two respective ways of charging. It's 
pre-composed material um, and what you would offer for a licensing fee and then um, what you would charge for custom uh, or music composed specifically for a new piece. Um, and, you know, what I would say that I like to, to be able to be paid for something is that for each minute of music that I provide, um, having a rate somewhere between like $250 to $500 for a minute of music. Wow. Um, but, but like a minute and, and I'm, of course <laughs> a minute can be, uh, if it's an orchestral piece of music, um, and I'm recording all of this myself. I mean, I started with, uh, you know, playing string instruments, cello, viola, violin, upright bass. Um, so I'm creating like these chamber works just in my, uh, chicken barn that I converted to a studio. So if someone needs an orchestral piece of music that's a minute long, that's probably 80 chunks that I have to overdub and who knows how many hours of recording and mixing and editing that would be. So it's a pretty, you know, uh, um, I, I, I think it is really kind of an outlier um, of a, a work model. Um, I think the most popular way to realize uh, some of these larger scale arrangements uh, is for the composer to work in MIDI, to kind of compose uh, on the piano, create a MIDI mock-up of the score, and then in one fell swoop, uh, book time at a recording studio and get an ensemble to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, for my for the uh, the scale of economy that I'm I'm working on, that just doesn't really make sense because studio time is very expensive. The musicians are very expensive, and by the time that I actually would realize a piece of music, the budget would be gone. <laughs> right. So, uh, so it's uh, I mean the the, the pay scale for these things, you know, varies so wildly. I mean, you'll see for um, an independent film, something that's 60 to 90 minutes, uh, there are people out there that are willing to do it for free, which is crazy. (laughs) And then there are people getting paid $20,000, $50,000. And if you're in the, you know, the 1% of composers like the uh, uh, John Williams, I mean, well over a hundred thousand dollars. Right. So um, I am certainly in the the mid, the lower mid range of uh, rates because of my unorthodox working style.
So are you um, paid on buyout, or uh, do you uh, collect royalties? Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I prefer to retain uh, the rights to all my music because, and I think this is something I would suggest to all your listeners, and if it's at, at all possible to, you know, retain your publishing rights, retain uh, control of the master because um, creating a piece of music for a, a film, you know, that's it's certainly a lot of work. But if you want to be able to see dividends and, and, and be able to license that piece of music for other purposes, uh, it increases the exposure of the piece of music. It allows you to um, have that investment of time um, uh, reward you uh, over, you know, its lifespan. <laughs> you know, however long people choose to want to use that piece, um, it's yours. And so if someone wants to buy something outright, you know, it, it, a higher rate would obviously need to be charged. Are you union? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, and that's not for any particular um, reason other than that I just really don't play on many other people's recordings other than my own. And since, um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it just hasn't really come up. Uh, I, I certainly recommend people being involved in their union chapters and I, I mean I know that in uh, um, for like if I was in Los Angeles doing session work oh man I would I would do that in a second
Hey, I told you uh, earlier that I was going to throw uh, the fact that I'm going to interview you up onto Facebook to the uh, Rock School Radio Show site and also to my site. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions that came in from people who are friends of the show? Oh, I would love that. Sure. Uh, let me throw one out for you from a guy that actually runs uh, the television station here on campus. Do you make your stuff uh, available for educational, non-commercial use? I am assuming he wants to grab your stuff. Uh, <laughs> a double-barreled question as well. Uh, do you do you um, make it available? I, I, I do. I, I, I've worked a lot with um, Edutopia um, and CBS. Um, I did a, a special two months ago on uh, called Is School Enough? And um, looking at... Um, the new um, learning models um, that are influencing several forward-thinking um, elementary and middle and high schools uh, across the country, and yeah, oh, I'm, I, you know, that, <laughs> that's the whole point is uh, to be able to do what you love and and, and uh, share it. Uh, <laughs> there are times to cash out, and then there are times to uh, to uh, give back. So absolutely, okay. I'm open to that. Steve asks the question, do you regularly scan YouTube, et cetera, to see if anyone has taken your music and is using it illegally? Are you your own policeman? Oh, um, I, I'm not very good about uh, scanning <laughs> that, that. I hope that's not a double-barrel question as well. That's, <laughs> um, no, I don't. I, my, uh, um, the, I'm sure the head of my label that releases my records more um, is a bit more of a watchdog in, in that regard, but I, I, I really don't. I think for the most part, people. Uh, that's you know, I try to be very reasonable uh, with my rates for um, up and coming filmmakers, and you know, work with people so that at least you can curb uh, the piracy a bit by um, trying to work with people. Okay, Ryan asks the question. Are you even able to enjoy movies or television anymore, or are you preoccupied <laughs> listening to the music? Oh, oh man, I, I, that makes me, you know, if I was being honest, I would say it really does um, sometimes uh, negatively affect my enjoyment of films. But when something is working really well, oh, the, the level of satisfaction I, I, I get from seeing um a film that it's just a perfect marriage of sound and picture. It's so rewarding because I know how difficult it is. So I, I think it is uh, simultaneously enhanced my enjoyment and also um, really made me be probably a bit overcritical when it's not working.
It's time for our second break, but we'll be back with more from William Ryan Fritch on the Rock School Radio Show. have a, a fellow professor, Luann, who wanted to know, she was talking about Spielberg, uh, shared about when he heard the first few notes of the famous Jaws music theme, he had his doubts. So she wants to know, is there a piece of music from a film that you think is simply the ultimate piece of music ever penned for a film? Maybe the Jaws theme, the Rocky theme. Is there one that makes you just think, that's it, no one can defeat that? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> Well, I am a big uh, Bernard Herrmann fan, um, and I, there are a lot of moments that, that he's just <laughs> blown me away because it's um, counterintuitive. Um, I, you know what, a film I saw recently that I just, the whole film, I just was tickled by how perfect the score was, was Chinatown. Um with Jack Nicholson, I just think that that score, that uh, the way that the uh, these very simple percussion, uh, percussive ideas um, contrasted with the the tension of the scene was just oh, it's just so perfect. And I don't I don't know how um, those musical decisions were made, but wow, it was amazing. And then recently, I, I think um, the new Wes Anderson film. The uh, um, Grand Budapest Hotel um, has a fantastic score that incorporated this kind of imagined Eastern European um, sound uh, with <laughs> completely fantastical um, instrumentation. Was nothing sort of brilliant. I just watched that. I'm I'm not saying that to move the uh, the interview along either. I just watched that. I thought it was a brilliant <laughs> film. Fun.
I'll give you one more that was never outright asked, but sort of had uh, had a feeling bubbling under a lot of the questions. Uh, some of the people who listen are musicians themselves, and there was an underlying sort of, can I do this? Is mm. is there room for another person? Not that I'm trying to take you know money away from you, Will, but... If oh, a- no. I, I, <laughs> I think it's a wonderful... I mean, there, there should never be... Um, that the, there's always room for new ideas and, and individual voices. I mean, I, I um, recently, um, young musician Micah Levy, um, she just composed, I'm trying to remember the, the film with Scarlett Johansson, but um, Lucy? You know, first time, uh, uh, it wasn't Lucy, it was uh, um, <laughs> uh, Jonathan Glazer. It was a Jonathan Glazer's film that uh, came out a couple months ago. But a very eerie uh, orchestral, like, uh, you know, alien kind of horror film. But uh, first-time composer, and she did so many things because she wasn't in, inhibited by previous experiences or being influenced by what has worked in the past for films. It ended up being so wildly original um, and, you know, incorporated um, this very unique voice. And I think uh, for any musician, artist, composer out there that, that um, you know, follows their own musical instinct and tries to refine it and better themselves continually, there's always a place for, for that. And, you know, I would, <laughs> I would hate to think that um, young composers, they look at the field and say, oh, where, <laughs> where is there a place for me? Um, and l- let that say, oh, I need, <laughs> I need to rethink this. I think um, you should look at the field and look at the competition and say, you know, <laughs> I have to find my own particular niche. So. William, I got to tell you, thank you so much for coming and, and speaking with us or letting me call you and uh, doing this. It's it's different than anything we've ever talked about on the radio show. So I, I hope the audience enjoyed it. I think they did. And uh, I do appreciate you coming out and uh, taking the time just to spend a half an hour or so with us. Oh man, thank you so much for having me and uh, just so so wonderful uh, what you're able to provide uh, your listeners with and, and uh, to get to <laughs> keep the spirit of rock and roll alive. That's <laughs>